Good morning and hello. It's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada with episode four of the Yacking podcast where we talk a little bit about everything about nothing. But seriously, we bring you, we talk about life, business and more and we bring you tips and ideas for the changing world that we live in. We have another really interesting guest for you today and I'm going to hand over to Kathleen to introduce him. Yes, hello everyone and welcome. Good to have you. To our listeners, we do have a special guest today. His name is Stephen McInnes. He's a Waterloo-based uh, entrepreneur. He's the CMO of a company and partner of MyCXO Canada, a team of seasoned multidiscipline leaders who help organizations who are experiencing change and need assistance uh, to get them to the next stage of their business growth. He uh, shares communication knowledge and expertise as part of his Conestoga College teaching faculty. He has a technical bent and has spent decades within the uh, tech and software communities. He's educated in psychology and communications at Wilfrid Laurier University, a little plug for my alma mater. Yay! Um, so welcome, Stephen. Um, Peter? Well, thank you very much. Uh, happy to be here and uh, look forward to the conversation we're going to have today and uh, hopefully in the future. Excellent. Back to you, Peter. Well, welcome, Stephen. Thanks for that introduction, Kathleen. I, I'm now really nervous. Here we got a farm boy from Africa <laughs> at the mercy of two psychologists. So I'm going to have to be really careful with what I say today. But uh, Stephen, certainly we said to the guests, we got an interest. We said to our listeners, we have an interesting guest and we certainly have. So give us a little bit of background. You you obviously are have two hats that you wear, probably more. But yep. of your two main business interests, just give us a quick rundown on what you do just for a minute sure um, well I mean today I'm, I'm really uh, wearing one side of my Gemini personality which is um, focusing on on fractional um, CMO so um, I help companies with their marketing needs at a strategic level um, and th my particular company my CXO Canada I mean as Kathleen mentioned we're a group of um, executives who are essentially available on demand for companies who need expertise to get them to the next plateau or the next level of their business growth. Um, and they may not have the critical mass to afford that role full time. Um, I personally, um, drawing on my background in psychology and communications, am driven by uh, um, a, a strong interest in what motivates people to make decisions. And I mean, really, what is marketing except um, figuring out how people make their decisions to buy a product or service. So for me, over the past um, many decades, more than I'd, I'd care to admit at times, um, I've worked with companies often in the tech space to um, build and grow their strategy and then figure out the tactics that they're going to apply to accomplish the goals that they want. Um, Great. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, very interesting. And you mentioned strategy. We're going to come back to it a little later. But I know Kathleen's got a burning question to start <laughs> off with. So, Kathleen, back to you. I do, Stephen. In light of what's happening in the world at the moment, uh, what is the first thing that you would advise small business to think about? Um, that's a great question, and it's really, um, and again, marketers hat on, um, a good marketer lives in the future. 
Um, we're always looking ahead because we know that very few of the activities that we can do today have immediate impact. We're focused on what are we going to need to do in the and now to impact something that's happening in the future. So I look at what's happening in the world today. Uh, I mean, we've got the various uh, lockdowns. We've got um, social distancing. We've got um, the face of business has changed. And I would like to say it's changed temporarily, but we don't know. And that's our biggest thing right now is we really don't know the impact long term that this is going to have. All we know is there is an impact and there will be an impact. So what I, I'd suggest to business owners, um, business leaders is they need to look at what they were doing in the past that was successful and how today's landscape, the new normal, has changed that. And they also need to, to look at incrementally, what can they be doing now that will, in a short term, help keep them sustainable, but also position them for when this new normal hopefully becomes a new old normal and we get back to doing things somewhat the way we used to do in the past. Um, how, how they're going to take what they've learned during these next weeks, months, hopefully not years, um, and apply that to their customers. And, and it's, I mean, everything that I'm thinking of, it's, it's, it's not paradigm shifts. It's traditional marketing approaches. It's looking at any entity at any moment in time and what are the things that you want to do that make you uh, sustainable and viable and um, desired uh, by your customers and your future customers um, going forward? And that really has to do with strategy and planning and understanding your customers and really being customer focused. Yeah, very, very good. Very important. Um, I would guess, picking up from what you're saying, and many people think the new normal will be radically different from the old normal, and it's going to affect some businesses and groups of people more than others. So I, I independent contractors like plumbers, self-employed plumbers and electricians perhaps might not see too much change, right? But um, a lot of other businesses, and uh, particularly um, independent small restaurants and you mentioned strategy, Stephen. So lead on from that. I, I know a lot of people get confused between strategy and tactics. And right now, a lot of people are thinking about what tactics can they employ to mm -hmm. survive. But uh, for many, that's the wrong wrong idea. They got the wrong end of the stick. They should be looking at thought a little bit. Yes. And I mean, when we think about strategy versus tactics, um, most people they're looking for things to do, activities that will, uh, will get them to their goal. And um, that's important because tactics are action. Action accomplishes. Uh, however, tactics without a good strategy, um, you could be off target. You could be investing a lot of time and effort and 
money, um, going in a direction that is not in alignment with your customers. Um, and regardless of what normal we're living in, whether it was the past normal, the future normal, or <laughs> our current new normal, that's, that's, that is a truism. I mean, ultimately, we need to be able to look at our customers. Um, I mean, a good marketing strategy is customer-based. It has to be. Because if you don't understand your customers, if you don't understand how they think, um, how they, what their buyer journey looks like, um, and, and what is going to motivate them to align themselves to you, um, it doesn't matter what you're doing from an activity standpoint. I mean, you can have some great creative. You can be doing all sorts of wonderful things. You can get all sorts of traffic on, on uh, the digital world, um, connections, um, uh, likes, you know, uh, and ultimately, if that's not converting, it means you're not in alignment with your customers. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I think, uh, go ahead. Example of what you're talking about was Kodak. If we think back to the demise of Kodak, they had some wonderful tactics of marketing and advertising, but their strategy was all wrong. They were trying to perpetuate the conventional print camera mm -hmm. and uh, digital came in and that was the end of a huge company that had been around for a hundred years. So prime yeah. example. Sorry, I cut you off. You were going to add a little no, bit more. Uh, and I mean, that's, uh, uh, that is an ideal example of disruption in the marketplace. Um, yep. I mean, we, uh, we've also got the example of Apple and iTunes. And I mean, wouldn't it have been wonderful to be a fly on the wall the first time somebody suggested, hey, let's just, uh, let's, um, just create a, a music resource where people can download um, files and, and share uh, digital audio um, in, in a format that doesn't exist today. And it's, uh, people are going to latch onto that and they're going to pay us, um, 99 cents a song, um, yep. as opposed yep. to, you know, buying traditional albums. And, um, I mean, it's those types of things that, um, today's businesses, um, regardless of what happened with, um, our current pandemic situation and, and the lockdowns we're in. Um, I think it's very important for companies to always be thinking about what's next. Mm -hmm. And what's next is not about a product. It's not That's about right. a specific service that they've been offering for the last 100 years or 100 days. Yep. Uh, yep. Right? It, sorry, go ahead. So, Stephen, in light of that, can you give us some ideas of the types of businesses that will more likely are, are more likely to survive once this shutdown is lifted? Um, so I don't think it's going to be industry specific. I don't think it's going to be sector specific. I think it's going to have to do with an approach and an attitude. Um, I think it's going to have to do with a sense of agility. Um, a sense of adaptiveness, um, but even more so a sense of uh, customer relationship and, and, un, and, I mean, truly understanding the relationship that you have with, with your customer. Um, I mean, right now we're, 
we're in unprecedented times, not only because of the coronavirus, but because of the number of buying generations that we have in our market space. And, and each of them thinks differently. I mean, whether you be a boomer or you go all the way down to a zennial, and I mean, all of them are slightly different. All of them behave slightly different. All of them want to buy differently. All of them want relationships in a different way. Um, so it's, it's very, very important um, because we can't appeal to everybody all the time the exact way that we want to. Nobody has that kind of money. Uh, even if you have war chests of millions of dollars, you have to figure out what it is you do, what it is you want to do, but more than that, you have to figure out what it is that your customers want you to do. And I would even add that, you know, given this, the whole situation right now, people are forced to think differently. I mean, I, I take, I look at my elderly mom who uh, would never, ever think to call a grocery store and order groceries right. yep. and have them delivered. That was just unheard of. Yep. This situation, the world situation is now forcing her mm-hmm. to look at things differently and, and, and sort of push her outside that comfort zone a little bit yep. and, uh, and, you know, and do things differently. And, and now once this is all over, she might be inclined to just keep doing that because mm-hmm. it's easier it's for her. Right. That's right. So That's it's right. just, a, right. go ahead, Peter. I, I think, I'm going to disagree with Stephen a little bit. I think in some cases it's going to be industry specific. For instance, my my brother runs a small business in the UK. He employs three mechanics and they have uh, mobile workshops, vans, and they service uh, transport trucks that break down on the highway. Their highways are not as uh, well organized as ours, not as big. So if a truck breaks down, they have to get it moving very quickly. So he's running out of work, although fortunately a lot of trucks are still running. But his biggest problem is he does maintenance for other transport fleets. And in his small town of about 90,000 in the Midlands of England, nine businesses that he knows of have got, have closed their doors permanently in the last week. And I think mm-hmm. two of those were his customers who owe him money. So the impact is huge. Mm-hmm. But le- So there's one industry that's being disrupted. But leading on from that, I, I would say that if after this is over, percent of people work from work remotely instead of five or ten as whatever it is now industries for instance uh, and because schooling is going to be a lot more online i believe than it is now so i if i was a manufacturer of school desks or if i was someone who put the lines in for parking slots in huge factory parking areas i'd be getting a bit centers i'd be getting a bit the other one i think will be disrupted uh, Peter, you're you're breaking cities. up a little really... bit, so um, we're just. Oh, gonna... sorry. Yes. Yeah, well, let me let Stephen respond yes. to that one yeah. then. Yeah, carry on. Um, so, I agree that during this transitional period, there there are going to be a, a lot of companies that, if they aren't able to, um, and and I won't say evolve because there's not time to evolve. If they're not able to revolutionize what they're doing. Mm-hmm they may not come out the other end, um, regardless of the government subsidies and assistance that it is, is sure. being um, uh, applied. Um, and I was, I mean, basically what I was looking at um, probably was 
again, marketing mind, looking more in the future, looking to the after. Um, it's, it's the companies who have made it out the other end, um, they're going to be the companies and, and who, whose continued success is based on their ability to continually um, meet the needs of their changing market. Um, and I mean, you're, you're right. There are a lot of, and a, a lot of changes that are going to happen in buyer behaviors um, driven by um, what we've learned we can really do during this time. Um, I, I mean, anybody who has worked from home um, for the, I mean, in my case, for the past, I don't know, 15 years um, in various capacities, it's, you know what you can accomplish. You have the tools in place and you, you're adaptive and, and you figure out what to do. Companies who have been very traditional in you come to work, you punch a clock, we want control over what you're doing, we want to micromanage you, um, they're going to find that that style, A, is not a good style going forward with the incoming generations that are going to be in management um, and leading companies um, and already are. Um, and workers are going to look at it and say, you know what? We were able to do our jobs from home. We were able to do it remotely. I think we really need to look at our business as a whole. So, the companies that are able to align to their customers um, who say now, you know what, here's how I want to get my services delivered. Here's how I want to buy my products. Here's how I want to have you interact with me. And it may be digital or, you know, once we get out of it, there are going to be companies that because of their high level of contact and touch um, and relationship, become even stronger because of that because people yeah. will have realized that i really miss that so again it's um yeah if you're a restaurant and you can't evolve to delivery and um takeout and providing what your customers want and need in the way that they want and need it which isn't always going to be sitting down in a traditional restaurant environment at least until we can get back to the point where people are able to do that again. Um, yeah, you, you, you have to be looking at the writing on the wall and decide whether or not you're going to make it. If you are in the business of providing um, fleet support in the field, well, as long as there's transportation and logistics, there's going to be a need for that. You just have to figure out how to deliver. Oh, absolutely. And so pick it's, up again, something else it, you said, you said, yeah. go ahead. You, you said what we can work with. I think what people are also finding right at the moment is what they can live without. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's going to have a huge bearing down the track on, uh, on a lot of industries, I believe. Mm -hmm. And, and that comes down to, again, I, I come back to customer centricity. If um, I mean, I've always been of the mindset. If I have a product or service that I know absolutely 100% addresses the need of a customer, 
they will buy it eventually because it's the right product for them. The time just might not be right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's where, um, I mean, I've been very fortunate in my career in the fact that the services that I've offered, I know people need. They may not need it now, but I know that if I build a relationship with them, if I get to understand their specific needs, their specific buying process, their specific timings, then as long as I can build that relationship, build that rapport, build that trust, they will buy from me eventually. My, I mean, I'm just tasked with staying in business long enough that I'm there when they need me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Kathleen, you got something else you wanted to ask Stephen there? All great tips, uh, Stephen. I think, uh, I think we could probably go on for several more of these podcasts, right, Peter? And probably we will. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we most definitely will. I, I just want um, a quick question before I hand back to Kathleen to wrap it up. We're sitting on, uh, we've got a bit of time. We're just over 20 minutes. Do you think uh, there's going to be a big, big impact with remote work on people staying and moving to smaller cities and towns? Do you think this could be happening in the Western world, the small towns dying? Um, I guess so again, um, anecdotal and opinion. Uh, I think that as long as the infrastructure in those towns, um, I mean, regardless how small it is, as long as they can support the um, the needs of the of of the remote workers, as long as the remote workers have the ability to. Um, deliver what is required to um, the customers and that the customer experience is not negatively impacted and in, maybe even is enhanced, um, then uh, again, my own personal opinion, the further I can move away from large city centers, um, the happier I would be. Um, sure. And I mean, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't travel back to them to meet face to face with people. I, I wouldn't. Uh, but I, I mean, I personally, I prefer a small town experience. I prefer a rural experience. So if the infrastructure can support me, um, supporting my customers and making a viable living, I, uh, I think if people are of the same mindset as I am, um, they're going to be looking at how can I, how can I move out? How can I get um, in less densely populated areas? Um, not that there's going to be another pandemic and, uh, and the risk is more the closer I am to density of people, but just lifestyle, right? Absolutely. People, Absolutely. People, whether it be, I mean, we're seeing it, um, and not right now because of the pandemic, but the nomadic lifestyle. I mean, all the digital yep. nomads that are out there, which we see people who are moving towards um, um, a minimalist lifestyle where yep. they're, I, I mean, having the house or having the condo downtown Toronto is becoming less important, right? Well, uh, for a certain absolutely. generation. Exactly. 
this. Exactly. Well, we're and running I, out of time. and uh, We're running out of time. Yes, so I'm going to let you wrap it. Kathleen, I'm going to leave it to you to wrap it up. <laughs> Stephen, if um, our listeners and viewers would like to reach out to you, how do they do that? Um, well, I mean, they can uh, go to my website, which is um, mycxo.ca. Um, or they can uh, f- find me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I mean, Stephen McInnes. And they can also, uh, just for quick, um, my email, my easiest email is s2 at mycxo.ca. And we'll be sure to include those links, uh, won't we, Peter? And uh, yep. we've we thoroughly enjoyed having you, Stephen, and I'm sure that we can go on for uh, several more podcast to talk about this topic and we will so um on behalf of myself and peter uh thanks again for for uh joining us today Stephen. and um we'll be sure to get back to you and and do more of these take care thank you You bye-bye everyone thanks for joining